0: Hey A1 fans, Andy here. We're going to Cisco Live and we can't wait to see you there. If we see you wearing an A1 or Cables to Cloud shirt at Cisco Live, we'll enter you in our giveaway that includes a bunch of cool prizes like an A1 branded Yeti cup and an OCG of your choice from our friends at Cisco Press. Don't have a shirt? No problem. Head to the link in our bio and grab yours today. See you soon. This is the Art of Network Engineering podcast.
1: Podcast will to explore tools, technologies, and talented people. We aim to bring you information that will expand your skill sets and toolbox, and share the stories of fellow network engineers. Welcome to the Art of Network Engineering, where we talk the tech, live the journey, and occasionally meet in real life to share a few beers. Speaking of beers in real life, I have Dan Richards with me this evening. Dan, how are you, my friend?
0: Howdy, Tim. I'm doing great. How about yourself?
1: I- I'm doing well. I'm not used to uh, to not seeing you in person after uh, Asheville recently. So, <laughs> yeah,
0: it definitely is uh, different, right? Like um, after we, you know, had a show in person, and like I could look over and see you, you know, sitting beside <laughs> me. Th- I, I don't like this no. anymore <laughs> i don't I don't I don't like the whole like being you know, yeah we been spoiled it, it was uh oh yeah well and I'll tell you like one thing I didn't realize like when we were in person is you know we can read the body language better and so we really didn't step over each other or anything like that um it, it, it was just one of those things where you're there you can kind of see when someone's ready to t- to say something and you just back off kind yeah thing. there
1: are no delays. In person, and that, that really yeah. showed, I think, because I, I didn't even think about it until after that first one we recorded, we got done. It's like, whoa, I don't think we stepped on anybody in that entire time. So, yeah. Hey, it just means we got to have goals to uh, to be able to do this full-time in person someday, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> That'll be a while. Yeah, probably.
1: <laughs> All right, Dan, let's get into it. This is a sponsored episode from Netrice, and we have Alex Soroyan. Alex is the CEO and co-founder of Netrice. Alex, thank you for joining us. How are you this evening?
2: Hi, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, good to see you. I'm doing we're well. We're good.
1: Anna. We are so All glad right, that guys. you were uh, joining great.
0: us. Yeah. So, Alex. So we we said you're the CEO, right? and the in the founder. What 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 is Netrice, though? Can you give us a little bit of a background on what that actually is right now?
2: Um. So Netris is uh, Netris is software that runs uh, your data center network automatically. So so basically, Netris configures your switches, your routers uh, automatically, providing users with a cloud-like user experience. Like in public cloud, you have this thing called VPC that is running your uh, everything related to your network. Uh, that's where that's that's the direction that we're going and eventually netris will be the vpc for your on-prem private I, cloud i think i universe. think that's a really
1: interesting stance you are you're kind of taking the standpoint that in the cloud people can easily click buttons start applications they don't necessarily have to worry as much about the back-end infrastructure it's built for them automatically but you know maybe Public and some private clouds aren't for everyone, so they they want to. You're giving people the ability to have that cloud-like experience in their own private cloud data centers. Does that sound about right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, we
2: so <clears throat> we we try to think about cloud and Kubernetes not 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 just about technologies, but also kind of new kind of expectation of. Infrastructure practitioners, uh, <clears throat> you deploy your applications in Kubernetes, or uh, and it's live immediately. You don't need you you don't need to wait until Unix engineers will make it work. That's that's kind of becoming de facto norm expectation, and the same is happening with the infrastructure. When you want to, uh, let's say, you want to launch. A, a test cluster of Kubernetes or, or, you, or you just want to launch a bunch of virtual machines to, to run some tests, you create uh, a new VPC, call it test-whatever, uh, you know, uh, uh, drop a couple of VMs into that, and it's up and running. You start your testing. You don't need to worry about implementation details. You don't need to worry about, no. You know, you don't need to... <laughs> Wait for anything. So it's it's all about making resources um, and applications ready for the engineers immediately.
0: And uh, security. What about security? <laughs> it's super secure, right? Right out of the box. <clears throat> uh, that, that's 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 a good question.
2: Uh, actually, when when things are done uh, automatically lot of lot of things can be done kind of according to best practices or according to security policies thing like that like oftentimes what what becomes uh, what creates security problem is because someone forgot to configure something so when things are done automatically there is no this risk we we humans we are great on planning things on architecting things but when it comes to like doing things many many times we're we don't like that we're we're kind of lazy we we'd rather architect software and technology and make software and technology do that kind of repetitive things for us and therefore we can even increase the security with that kind of Approach. I was
0: kind of thinking more along the line of like the cloud approach, right? I, I feel like sometimes clouds are made to be very simple, throw things together, because but then they kind of lack on security side. Um, and so I was just curious if if you know does Netries keep that in mind whenever you're you're because because your your product's almost drag and drop, right? Uh, uh correct. There's there's a lot of. Uh so our, our product has graphical
2: user interface where, where you can drag and drop draw your topology, for example, if, if that's network engineer using Netris. Uh, like, um, remember back in, back in days, uh, n- uh, network, network engineers would draw a topology and architecture using whiteboard and would think how to translate that into configuration. And of course, there are many ways to cut the orange. But uh, in case of Netris, uh, the idea is that uh, network engineers would draw the desired architecture. They they would say, these are my switches, these are my routers, these are uh, connections with my upstream provider things like that they they will provide the information which is architectural kind of information just like they would draw on whiteboard and all that drawing inside netris that that turns into objects in netris database that uh, netris algorithm will will turn into actual configuration now <clears throat> coming to the, the security question so <clears throat> When, when Netris algorithm translates that uh, architectural drawing into configuration uh, there's like a lot of layers of analysis that's happening as a part of algorithm so uh, the algorithm will not forget to configure something will not forget to like for example set echo to make sure your SSH is not closed from outside is not open from outside the world will We'll make sure, like for example, just just an example. Let's say you're you're connecting with your upstream provider, and like what happened to me when I was engineer many times, uh, like you you plug in, uh, you configure a BGP upstream with the internet provider, and your your BGP port is you know uh, accessible from outside the world, and that's not like super critically dangerous, but like. It's it's a potentially room for a simple attack that that can be negative for your for the CPU of your router. Things like this happen all the time, but when it's when when configuration is generated by algorithm, algorithm kind of will not forget to configure that ACL. You know, it will open only for the IP address of the upstream, not for the world. So from that perspective, that's
1: yeah anything uh, that's that, that can help me not to forget things is going to be uh, incredibly helpful. I I really appreciate that approach because any time that you can create policy and have uh, some sort of software script to be able to constantly check and enforce that, I think is is really important because especially when you have multiple staff, multiple engineers that are physically configuring devices. I may have my standard, Dan may have his standard, AJ, Andy, all of us may do things, you know, it's going to be fairly similar, but we're going to have that configuration drift over time. So anything that, that can be in place that can keep us in check, I think is is really important. So Alex, um, I, I think oh, we're having exactly. some great conversation about trees already, but what we focus on here a lot is is people's stories, people's journeys, and how you got to where you were. Now, I'm you can correct me, but I'm I'm gonna guess you haven't been uh, uh, creating companies since since day one of your career. So, can you kind of talk about how you got into netreese and and how you got into doing what you're doing now? Do you have a do you have a network engineering background?
2: Uh,
1: <clears throat> yeah, that's. That's
2: absolutely true. I started as a network engineer. I, I just, you know, loved technology uh, uh, since my childhood, since I was in first grade, somewhat. And uh, after high school, I, I got into uh, network engineering. I started working as a network engineer uh, for a little ISP.
1: Oh, no. oh. he They're did wrong, correct Tim. me. That was probably the nicest way somebody could correct me too. Just, just <laughs> nicely, gently into it. That's excellent. So you, you hold on. You co-founded the first place that you you started your technical career. <laughs> yeah, uh, but. but- but there was a, there was a
2: small isp not a not, not a venture funded business but just a, like small isp like I, I started from like sharing my internet connection uh, with my neighbors and then i i've got uh, the entire neighborhood you know be, becoming my kind of users and i thought like why don't i turn this into kind of business. I, I'm having fun doing this and kind of, it could help me to keep my lights on. And uh, over 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 a year or so, my room became like a little data center and my, <laughs> my parents were not entirely happy with the sound of spinning <laughs> fans. And then I uh, ended up kind of renting a little data center room uh, and moving the equipment there uh, yeah that that was really really small one and uh, that that was a uh, we, we went through a tiny acquisition uh, and after that I I I decided it's kind of time to get uh, an actual job and <laughs> well, <laughs> I got into into this company yeah like, I do remember that I uh, yeah. remember like Google search and email before Google. I've joined their team uh, as an engineer. I I kind of knew engineering, but joining Lycos was like, you know, uh, entering team, which I didn't co-found and like becoming part of, you know, bigger group of professionals and learning from them. Uh, uh, you know, having Solving new problems for different company and learning from from other people in that company that was uh, very kind of start of my more professional. So I, yeah, because uh, uh, running if a data tool. center out of
0: your room isn't professional, huh?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was more of a hobby, which just happened to uh, make some. Um, a little yeah. bit of money for me, like I, I, I happened to buy my first car myself. Yeah, that's nice. I was kind of.
0: I, I just want to know, like, did your parents, did they, were they like, WTF, <laughs> like, what is this power bill?
2: Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, there was. Um, so um, they, I, 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 started paying the power bill bills because, like, <laughs> that could be. An issue, but you know, the, the noise from, from, from the servers that,
0: that was, I guess you guys didn't have to pay a a uh, heat bill, did you? (laughs) Yeah.
1: You had a room full of heaters. So so during (laughs) this time and so pre Lycos, did you have any, any formal IT or network engineering training or were you learning this all as you went and teaching yourself?
2: Just, just teaching myself. Just you know, reading everything around Linux. You know, searching for information on internet, like reading books. And uh, my uh, um, good, good uh, v- very close friend of my father. Uh, he 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 happened to be a net- network engineer. Uh, like one of these first early network engineers and. He helped me a lot. Like he, like I remember when I was a kid, like, like, like in third, fourth grade. And I, I, I would love when my father was taking me uh, with him to visit his friend. And I was asking him about computers, about Linux. And I remember one day he kind of explained, I, I asked him like how, how this internet thing works. And he explained me how routing works and he he explained that really super simple, like how, how would you explain routing to kid? And that was it. I was like, I wanna be network engineer. I wanna build the internet. I wanna be part of the internet. This is this is so amazing. Like this is something big that everyone can be part of it. That's how I kind of got into. Network so you brought engineering. the internet to your house.
1: major how's house the internet. Yep. Yeah,
2: yeah, and start started sharing with uh, neighbors, and it was like, how do I learn? How who, who who would trust me a network to learn on it? Well, i gonna. <laughs> so build let up. me ask
0: you this: Did your upstream provider know what you were doing? <laughs> like. uh, n- no, and uh, my my very first upstream
2: provider was like 56k uh, di- di- dial up modem connection, and. Then when I've connected bunch of neighbors, I figured that's not enough, so I have connected the second 56k, and they they were like connected in load balancing mode. And few few times they emailed me like like that's weird. Like you have you you keep your connections constantly you know under load. And over some time I discovered uh, like back then it was a thing like this. Uh, downstream only you know satellite kind of internet access where where you put the uh, you know satellite antenna and you you're using it just for downstream and you use your dial-up for upstream so that was kind of for me as an like uh, you know the junior engineer it was very kind of appealing to me it's like wow this is kind of cool I sent data out. One channel, and I receive through another channel and a bigger channel. So that's how I did. It was interesting and beneficial because you know the you don't need a lot of uplink connection, but you need more downlink connection. So two fifty-six Ks were like hundred uh, uh, about hundred K upstream together and i was getting like almost a almost a megabit of <laughs> downstream and back then that that was huge and somehow well. i i i i got the kind of fastest internet connection fastest and cheapest internet connection in in the neighborhood and i don't know that's that's how i started kind of scaling i really think that that's I think that's a
1: common trend that that we hear. And I know that I I personally felt the same way about networking because when I went to school, I, I tried the, uh, the calculus and the C plus plus and all that. And, and it was, it was hard for me to grasp. Um, and, and I felt like I had to constantly be working at it every day. And then I sat in a Cisco Netacad class and it, you know, the, like you said, those, those first concepts really just, Hit and stuck, and uh, I'm I'm not saying you know networking is easy by any means, but a lot of the you can follow the uh, the OSI stack from one to seven, and and concepts are easy to modular modularly put together, and I and I think that's what really sticks with people because you can get um, as in depth as you want, and I think that people need to understand once you get into networking, you, you run the highway for all the applications and all the services, and you will quickly learn high level concepts about what everybody else is doing too. And and you become incredibly valuable as a technology person getting into networking. So I'm really glad you highlighted that. So from, from Lycos, what, uh, what took you from there? Uh, well, uh, I was just, looking for uh, uh, a job in,
2: in a uh, kind of bigger, bigger company because I uh, like w- what I did with my hobby type internet service provider thing that was I've learned a lot that was fun it fulfilled my curiosity but I was thinking I want to become kind of more more professional like how I, I want to learn how other people wo- people work like how do they do this in, in bigger companies at bigger scale? Like, how do they run these huge data centers? Uh, that's that's how and why I, I got into Lycos. That was a uh, lot of learning. E- everything was so new. Like, this this culture was very... Uh, they Back then, they had uh, almost like a startup culture. Like from one side they they were uh, pretty much systematized in terms of like they they had documentation of their infrastructure they had processes they they were using like internal ticketing systems all that was kind of very new for me because running this tiny isp we you can imagine we didn't have all all that process right so i've learned that and there were kind of my first steps in uh, kind of uh, being part of an enterprise larger company um, I, I've been there for a little over a year and then I uh, I went to another company uh, which was uh, or- Orange France Telecom actually I, I've joined them and they had the project of Launching a new operator, and somehow I happened to be to become part of that project and participated in that, you know, designing a bigger you know telco data center and rolling that out, uh, which was again a lot of lot of learning.
1: So, it, at what point, as we kind of start to tie this back together to NetTrees and and what you're doing there, at what point did you start seeing? kind of the vision for, for NetTrees and what you're doing. Uh, so when, um, when
2: I was working on this uh, project of launching, uh, architecting, designing and launching this data centers for, uh, for Orange, uh, I happened to work in the same room with my co-founder of NetTrees. Uh, and, you know, we, we, have been staying, uh Until late night, you know, working on something because there was lot of kind of lot of work to do and lot of lot of learning for us. So we were kind of figuring out things together, experimenting, trying, and that's that's kind of where it where the idea started to kind of born. And uh, we, we were not thinking back then to launch a company, but like there, we we've started asking each other these questions that were kind of bugging us. One question was that you know, every time someone uh, someone from other teams uh, they required something, like let's say database administrator team, they would need a new segment, a new VLAN, a new bunch of servers, that would require them to come to us networking team to say hey, networking team could you provide us more ports, more VLAN, more IP addresses. Um, can you? And and then we would ask them create a ticket. We would provide like that. That life cycle was taking time, and we were networking team. And of course, we were like, hey, why 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 would you need access from this IP to that IP? How how come cannot do more with less uh, access? Like that's not secure. Things like that, like things that all you know. Many network engineers uh, would like to do, and th- that was part of the the company's uh, policy because they they uh, they they had like the policy, like network engineers and whole bunch of others would need to approve things and would need to stick to these policies. But thing that was bugging me it was that like. This is not efficient, like this is taking time. Every, every time people need to make communication happen from here to there, like they need to go to these you know, levels of bureaucracy and engineering and implementation and we all know, right, that implement, that, that's, uh, that's never seamless. You, you implement something, you break things, you make mistakes. And especially when there's more than one engineer one engineer thinks one way, another engineer thinks another way. There's many ways to cut orange. So these things conflict create conflicts over time and sometimes you just you just blow up the network. That that happens. So it was bugging me. Like, okay, this is how people do networking, but there should be like Uh, projecting that to growth of the world I was like, jeez, like if we do networking like this all the time, our humanity cannot scale, like we're gonna need more and more networks and if we look at the graph of number of network elements, growth and number of network engineers that we produce, like we, we, we're not going to make it. There's no way. that <laughs> Network engineers can become like a bottleneck of growth of humanity. <laughs> we need better technologies. Here. Yeah, I
1: definitely agree with that. There, there does seem to be a point that you hit in certain organizations or certain size of organizations where at some point... The network team does seem to be. We gotta. We're involved, like I said earlier. We're the highway, so we have to be involved in many uh, projects and many conversations. And at some point, when so many different people need so many different things, and and we have to do these very conversational chats with, okay, what do you need? Why do you need it every time? And then, okay, I need X amount of time to be able to build that because I've got three projects in front of you. Yeah, at some point, we need to lean on technology to to. Help us. So, yeah, that that's really interesting insight that that uh, you came up with. That just kind of organically chatting with somebody that you were working with over time.
0: Yeah, to add to that. Um, so, like when I first started, you know, our time to market or whatever you want to say, our SLA on a on a request was like, depending on what it was, is roughly two weeks, right? And so we were given two weeks to, you know, implement a server or make some kind of network change kind of thing. But over time, it's like, especially now, it seems like if it's two days, that's two days too long, <laughs> you know. It, and and kind of like what you're saying is, um, you know, when people start putting that pressure on, I feel like sometimes I can get sloppy with, with what I'm putting in because I'm just in a rush trying to get it in place. And then I make a mistake and then now it takes more time because now we have to troubleshoot it with, you know, a a developer or whoever put the request in and, um, it it just, it, it takes time, right. To fix it, to figure out what the problem might've been kind of thing. So I I definitely see what you're saying there in having, you know, some kind of, I, and you know, we talk about automation on here every once in a while and, and that's kind of like the track that I'm going down right now is trying to figure out how to integrate either Python or Ansible or both into, um, it, and the way I'm looking at automation is not to like uh, do a bunch of things like we're super repetitive. I mean, I do want to do repetitive things or put repetitive uh, things through automation, but what I'm really looking forward to is it, doing it the same way every single time and not having mistakes whenever I push that button. Right. And so uh, I can definitely see your, your, your concern with uh, how much network uh, changes are going, coming through and then <laughs> how few of the uh, engineers we actually have. To yeah. Dan, that.
1: I, I think we as network engineering and uh, operations teams, we can either be seen as a value add to the business or as a roadblock and a cost center. Um, and at some point, we're humans and we need uh, processes and things that can help us with those daily tasks to be able to provide that value to the business quickly. And, and like you said, efficiently, because if it's if it's not right the first time, then you got to take more time to do it again. And who knows what else you broke by doing it wrong the first time. So definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So at what point, Alex, did uh, did building a company around this idea start to come to fruition. At what point did you decide, okay, we have to do something about this and and starting a company is the right way to do it? Um so ba- back then, um uh just like
2: Dan said, I I I started looking into uh automation. I started looking into like how just basically from the perspective of how how can I do my work Better. That's it. Uh, we, uh, I was not thinking about starting a company back then. And uh, by then, I, I moved to another job, and uh, my co-founder and I—we were not—we we ended up working at different for different employers. But I—I uh, <clears throat> was a network engineer still, uh, running a team of network engineers there, and it was still bugging me. I've tried to experiment, I've, I've tried, started experimenting with like traditional ways to automate like writing scripts or using <clears throat> different libraries uh, where where you can kind of try to automate repetitive tasks uh, and kind of come up with a template, give the template to some sort of script and it will kind of configure something for you. And <clears throat> You know, to, to me, uh, I, I remember there was a, a guy working in, in our room. He, he, he loved to use this analogy between network engineer and nuclear physicist. He's saying, what is common between network engineer and nuclear physicist? The common is when each of them are saying, oops, <laughs> the impact can be huge. So <laughs> I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that.
1: <laughs> that is... So, uh,
2: th- that happened to me a couple of times. I did oops and, like, an entire country, like, was, like, experienced a blackout for a few minutes. And it, it takes time until you realize what happened. You troubleshoot. You kind of bring things back, right? And when I was playing with the, with the different, you know, approaches to... Automate uh, network engineering tasks. What I've discovered, I I felt like there's a conceptual problem. Like uh, placing an automation thing between human and CLI. That that's that's like an amplifier. If you if you configure if you make an oops as an input of that amplifier, you just you just increase the you know, it, you, you make it like disastrous failure. And <clears throat> so I figured, no, this is like, there's a conceptual problem. There should be a different, I should not be in charge of deciding what commands to uh, send into a CLI. That, that should be on someone else because me as a, as a human, I'm good on, figuring out the architecture the high level things what i want to do but how to do this is the part where where i'm having trouble sometimes not always it's especially when i'm getting good on something i becoming confident and this is when i make the make the oops so i figured it's not like it's fundamentally kind of not scalable to to trust to to assume that human will not make mistake that's that's how i came to the idea that no there should be a layer of software which kind of is not it's not it's not linear you know it takes something on input it has ability to understand that input and ability to generate the output so so the generation of output should be done by kind of properly developed software, tested one million times software, tested in many different scenarios, software, yes. Software that is following best practices, but, but like software, not human. That was kind <clears> of <throat> uh, the idea, which was, you know, that, that, that was kind of where my head was back then. And uh, public cloud was, you know, uh, growing and um, I think Kubernetes <coughs> um, Kubernetes was just starting back then, but public cloud, it, it was, I could already tell that public cloud is going to be big. And public cloud kind of was the, the first technology that is sort of opinionated in terms of implementation. It was the first technology where you say, I want this, I want uh this service to communicate with that service and I don't care how what kind of black magic is happening under the hood I just trust them I don't I don't care if they use protocol X or protocol Y or OSPF or BGP whatever makes it work it's fine so I figured man it's but it's okay to use an opinionated system because that system takes away the risk of oops. Uh, that's kind of where the, the the core like core building blocks of idea uh, came in. And then uh, I've called my uh, friend, now co-founder, and I told him like, hey, look, we're gonna need, we're gonna build this. Remember, we were speaking, you know. Uh, <clears throat> in front of the building by by night when when we were building this, this networks like here's the idea. I you know, I have created little prototype, it kinda shows some tiny tiny signs of potential work, like, let's do it. Are you in or out? He said, I'm definitely in. So that's how how we started. Just put together a little prototype and we said like if we can find someone who can who can say that this makes sense? I'm gonna use in my production. If it works, I'm gonna use in my production network. Maybe it's it's viable. We should we should work on it. That's that's kind of how it started.
0: So one thing I want to kind of go back on is you're you're talking about how cloud is. Did you say opinionated? Uh, yeah, opinionated and uh,
2: self-operating. Like when you when you ask cloud to provide connectivity, when you say, "Hey cloud, uh, give me a VPC and give me 25 VMs inside this VPC," you don't know what kind of technology is working underneath. Is there a VXLAN? Is there a BGP VPN? Is there a VLAN? Is is there whatever is working there? You you even don't have. Visibility into that you don't have a control because that's kind of uh, that's kind of up to technology to make that work right. That's kind of higher level of obstruction. Traditional networking has like low level of obstruction. Cloud and VPC in the cloud has a higher level of obstruction, and that level of obstruction is very similar to Kubernetes.
0: Because you essentially don't care, you know, which container does what, as long as it's servicing whatever the need is, right? Yeah, exactly.
2: What 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 Kubernetes did to compute and application provisioning, uh, the the same VPC does to cloud networking, and the same is we hope Netris does to physical on prem. Networking. You're still gonna need network engineers, netops engineers, to to tell Netris what what to achieve, what architecture we're looking for, how do we plug in our upstream providers, things like that. Uh, But uh, the implementation uh, of like right right, configuring protocols and timers and things like that uh, is done automatically by software. So that helps to avoid human mistakes from, from one side, that, and that enables uh, network engineers to provide solutions that DevOps engineers of today that are accustomed to public cloud. So network engineers, with the help of this kind of products, are able to provide kind of right products for today's DevOps engineers T- today, like like just like you said, the ticket implementation time was like days or weeks. Like that, that's not acceptable in today's public cloud world. You you create a VPC, you create you you, you throw a bunch of VMs, uh, yeah. and it's ready to operate. It it's under one minute. It's not like it's not even hours. <laughs> it's just one minute, and that's what DevOps engineers want to see. That's what DevOps engineers expect from network yeah, engineers and I, I today. Yeah, I get
0: frustrated when it does take a minute. Yeah. So,
1: <laughs> so Alex, you you mentioned uh, on-premises yeah. data centers. Can you kind of unpack a little bit more? Like, who directly is the, the target audience for the Netree's product? Is it is it medium to large size um, companies and infrastructures that run their own data centers, where maybe public cloud for whatever um, operational or compliance reasons isn't the right fit and they need to do it on-premises, Who, who's the target audience here? Uh, great question. Um, so from, from
2: one side, public cloud kind of defined the new uh, expectations in terms of uh, user experience, DevOps, NetOps type of user experience. But from another and and that's that's great. That is you know helping hum- humanity to move forward. While public cloud is not one size fits all kind of solution for you know for some for some use cases it's just expensive. It's prohibitively expensive for some use cases, especially for late-stage companies. For early stage companies, public cloud is amazing place. Early stage companies don't care about cost. They, they they only care about being fast and innovating fast and engineering their products for for obtaining growth. But for late stage companies, uh, cost efficiency is becoming important when these companies are preparing for IPO or or acquisition because there comes uh, <clears throat> the econ- economics of the company and they want. Some sometimes they see that. Geez, we, we have very high revenues, but like high percentage of revenue is pay is you know is the cost of our infrastructure. So for these companies it's a way to reduce the costs in order to increase their market capitalization. That's just one case. Besides that, there are there are cases where like applications are latency sensitive especially all kinds of VR and AI applications there. And, and that creates the, the use case for, for the edge, right? You want to move your workloads closer to, to your users. And that can be users driving on a freeway, users working in a shopping mall, uh, that can be users in the park. There's a lot of use cases. There are applications that are crunching large amount of data, like all kinds of machine learning applications, and it is not economically viable to shuttle data from the source of the data all the way to public cloud. We we all know how expensive is uh, the traffic uh, tra- traffic uh, data transmission. Uh, sometimes that's that's just legal compliance type requirements. Some for some businesses, the, the data needs to be located in specific location or in specific country. There are many use cases. So my point here is cloud it provides this amazing experience of making infrastructure work immediately, but we need this experience beyond the cloud. We need this experience everywhere, on-prem, at the edge. Everywhere, especially when using Kubernetes and using other cloud-native tools, M- most of these cloud-native application platforms and Kubernetes especially, they are created with the infrastructure that dynamically responds to the needs of your application stack. For When you run Kubernetes, it's, it's very common that your Kubernetes cluster decide to scale to add more nodes. And that means that your, your VLANs, your load balancers, your routing, everything needs to automatically keep up with that. It's, you cannot do this manually you, you, because these kind of changes happen every hour. And it's kind of common part of, you know, running Kubernetes. So, uh, we we call this type of audience cloud private cloud builders. So they are either they either have uh, our customers, our users are either companies that uh, that are building a greenfield infrastructure. They are either repatriating the cloud or going hybrid. So they want to replicate that uh, cloud like experience of you know automatic infrastructure. Uh, operations. That's because that is part of their business. They are, you know, a uh, very DevOpsy type of organ- organization. Like their business processes are very much tied into thinking about infrastructure like it is a cloud. And it is easier for them to build their new infrastructure using cloud native technologies and, and use Netris for a networking part uh, versus like trying to change all their, you know, development stack to, like, older stuff. That's one use case. And another use case is, you know, some of the users, they just just have traditional infrastructure and they are willing to launch a Kubernetes cluster like a brownfield type uh, situation where their traditional infrastructure keeps operating the way... It was operating last 30 years, and next to it, they they built little uh, cloud native cluster that is running Netris, that is uh, and Netris Netris cluster in that case is interconnected with their you know, traditional networking, uh, providing just. So is that like a move
0: from like legacy apps to like new apps? Is that kind of like what what they what they're doing there? Um, yeah,
2: um, it's a uh, it's effort by IT teams to uh, provide a foundation for for the company to start uh, moving from legacy ops to
0: so it's like a migration
1: process then, right? Yeah, that, that's a really interesting approach because I yeah. can see that both is. Is a migration and kind of an augmentation, whereas like like you said, if there are traditional apps and traditional infrastructure that isn't going anywhere, you're not forcing an organization to do a rip and replace to be able to support what NetTrees can do. To help scale with these new cloud-like apps on premises, they're able to migrate side by side or be able to run um, both infrastructures and, and connect them together. So that's that's really interesting. Is that is that pretty typical with what you see when when customers come to you saying, "Hey, we need to be able to scale for these these new age applications"? Is it typically they start with new infrastructure in, in a separate cluster and use Netris to to uh, manage and onboard and, and operate all of that equipment. Uh, yeah, uh, we we provide
2: uh, <clears throat> we we provide uh, what we call a sandbox, uh, <clears throat> a, a test environment where Netris is pre-installed, and it, it <clears throat> sandbox comes with a little Kubernetes cluster and uh, a few virtual machines. Uh, and with upstream connections, so uh, users that are potentially interested in trying Netris, they they uh, one way of using trying Netris is that using Sandbox They of course they can install uh, on prem, but installing on prem would require uh, an environment. If they have environment, they are they are welcome to install Netris uh, locally. That's that's free. Uh, but if they don't have environment, they they are welcome to use some of the environments that we provide dynamically on our website. It's very easy; just provide their name and email, and we immediately send them credentials, uh, and they are ready to use. Uh, that way, they kind of learn and see if if Netris is a fit for their use case. They validate their use case. Uh, they are welcome to join our Slack community, uh, and you know. Learn from other users or our engineers, and once they are, they see the fit between their needs and Netris, and they are ready to to to, to proceed with the implementation. Is just like you described. They 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 set up a little uh, cluster that is running Netris. They they interconnect Netris with their existing network, if if it's a brownfield scenario, and without pressure, one by one, without stress, they start moving whatever work lo- workloads make sense to move. For some companies, that's that's the migration process. For some companies, that's just part of plan. Some companies just want to be hybrid. They want to keep their you know, uh, standard thing and they want to have their cloud-native thing interliving.
0: Yeah, uh, I was going to ask, do you, do you foresee you know how we have uh, hybrid cloud, right? And I, and I feel like that is more uh, companies that are, um, would you say uh, mature companies, I guess uh, I, I feel like that's more of a, an option for those, those type of companies, whereas new companies you were saying uh, jump on the cloud, just off the gate kind of thing, because it's wonderful for the speed and, and being able to uh, scale real quickly. Right. Um, so, I, I feel like the and, and i i come from one of those like uh mature companies right it it, it it's definitely a uh we have our legacy stuff <laughs> you know and uh and so it kind of looking at it like a like a hybrid cloud would this be like a hybrid cloud on prem essentially but on a networking side of it uh y- yeah exactly and uh, uh
2: legacy applications gonna be around for for a while and there's there's no problem with that uh, the the only thing is that even even large even large companies that 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 happen to have this you know happen to have infrastructure for many years like 10 20 30 years uh, at some point they they may want to have a, a private cloud not uh, not uh, not legacy private cloud, yeah. but like yeah. cloud cloud. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So what makes cloud cloud <laughs> is VPC. Because what makes cloud cloud is that uh, is that function of providing infrastructure services immediately, and that cannot work without VPC. Without without VPC, every network product is uh, operating with the with the switch ports or with some kind of network elements you know uh, network uh, we 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 have seen this SDN thing right which which was meant to kind of make uh, network engineers life easier and devops engineers life easier but it 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 actually overcomplicated for both of them it didn't make any easier for devops engineer but it made things harder for a network engineer like for many for many good network engineers it's it's kind of hard to to figure out uh, even simple things with with many SDN solutions that's that's why i think that kind of SDN didn't stick around and <clears throat> we we also have seen this you know uh, Automation and IBN intent-based networking type of products. Um, those things are are making things better, but, but there comes this uh, amplification, the, the amplifier factor. You put their wrong things and they just uh, amplify the wrong things and, and just now even bigger, bigger stuff is, is, is blown up, right? Uh, in what is fundamentally different in public cloud is that uh cloud is self-operating so opinionated you cannot kind of uh force cloud to to change its kind of under the hood decision making process it's a higher level abstraction that's why it's it's kind of more stable in, in terms of human error but uh Another important fun- function is that uh, the VPC that is running networking for the pro- public cloud, that, that, that is tightly connected and integrated with the compute, uh, co- compute systems. Like when you request your, your bunch of virtual machines, whatever system provides you that virtual machine environment, that system communicates through API with the vpc and it makes networking work automatically like there's no middleman uh, telling okay network please provide this 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 ports into that service no that happens automatically the exchange of ip information happens automatically when your kubernetes cluster decides to scale and launch more uh, more nodes again the networking underneath It keeps up with that change automatically. That's what makes cloud cloud. And even and that's why I'm saying even even a company with a huge infrastructure that was around for many years may not necessarily need to rip off that old infrastructure, but may need to have a cloud a cloud cloud private cloud. And this is when they need. A VPC provider. I got you, which is So metrics. like in
0: a cloud scenario, you, you pretty much you provide a subnet and then it does all the rest of like where who gets which IP. You don't you're not telling it, hey, you need to be on this VLAN. You're not doing any of that. You're just saying, I need this service and by the way, I'm applying this security group uh to it and in within that security group I'm allowing these connections. And then it, it just builds everything on the back end, right? So yep, exactly. let's, let's pivot a little bit on that because I think from my experience, I sometimes obstructing that is a little bit of a turnoff for me <laughs> because it's then then I can't make the decisions and I can't do the tweaking and turning the, the nerd knobs. Have you have you seen people like customers that get frustrated with that? Or or is it pretty much people are they they, they buy into the whole uh, is the cloud experience but in a network uh, so that's that, that's that's a great question
2: and uh, we were we were very cautious about this uh, during early days of you know planning and designing the, the product uh, <clears throat> so there are knobs that 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 kind of make sense to touch and there are knobs that we consider it's better to live to software. Uh, knobs that are like things that are, you know, around how you implement things, like how you organize default gateway on, on subnet, or how you organize your BGP timers between your switches, or how you, how you kind of uh, organize or uh, how you apply echoes to your BGP neighbors things like this are like those are not making any difference to 90% of businesses maybe there's 10% which is different kind of corner case that's fine but for for, for the case where where the goal is to have a cloud native uh, environment run a kubernetes cluster uh, it's not critical how how exactly you you configure your BGP in this mode or that mode. As long as uh, the, the, the product that is making the decisions for you does things correctly. Now, whatever we configure, it's based on standard things. We don't have anything to hide. Uh, although users don't really need to SSH on, on the switches and routers and you know make changes, but they are welcome to go there and review what we've configured and when they review they are like huh this is this makes sense this netris is configuring things right like i like that uh, rarely people don't agree with that and they come to us they come up with hey like this is not right and we're, we're happy to hear that we need that feedback and there's Lot of places where we've improved the product based on feedback. We're we love feedback. We we love learning together with the with the users because the users are they all are amazing engineers. There's a lot to learn from them.
0: So, I mean, my main question, I guess, is um, when the dev, when the dev team is telling us that their application is slow, do I have a knob where I can speed her up? <laughs> like, I, um.
2: <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> so, uh, well, uh, actually, yes, uh, pretty much. So, look, when when things are configured uh, automatically by a single algorithm, not by five different algorithms, by just one algorithm, there's. There's almost no room for conflicts, so that that helps a lot. With with that approach, you you avoid a lot of issues. That's one. But still, there are places where uh, where we need uh, you know hu- human to to turn that knobs. And for example, when it comes to peering with your upstream provider, like you 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 still. If, if you're doing that, if you're in that situation that you don't have your, you know, legacy network and you are connecting your netris cluster directly to upstream provider, internet exchange points, you're, you're receiving this full routing table, things like that, there's, there's still a lot to do. Like you, as a network engineer, you have a lot to do there in terms of defining your strategy, you know, doing your trace routes. Your traffic engineering, you know, playing with the uh, with the BGP communities to like re-engineer your your traffic. That's still around. We provide you with the good, you know, tools and a place to like turn a lot of knobs in in places where it makes sense. But on the handoff side to your DevOps engineer, like your 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 DevOps engineer. Not gonna ping you when they need a new uh, a new VIP a new VIP for load balancer, or they not gonna ping you when they deploy a new Kubernetes cluster because you have configured things insanely great for the DevOps engineer, and they are just happy to All use right, that Alex. network.
1: I'm very much a, a traditional network engineer, and I'm starting, you know, to come around on on the aspect of abstraction, orchestration, and automation. But I'm I'm going to get into the weeds with you a little bit um, from a NetTree's perspective. Do you have when you're working with customers, do you have high level guidelines for um, hardware choices of when they go to implement or high level uh, topologies that they're leveraging in a data center? What what do those aspects look like? Um, So we um, um,
2: we do a lot of testing uh, on on the hardware and uh, our architecture. So we want to make sure that uh, when users deploy things, things will work. We we pay a lot of attention to, to customer success. And <clears throat> uh, currently Netris supports a uh, few open networking operating systems, that's uh, in terms of on, on Switch side. So we support Cumulus Linux, we support just pure Ubuntu Linux with the Switch Dev driver, and we support Sonic. So whatever hardware can run any of these three operating systems, that's supported uh, theoretically. But on top of that, we do a lot of testing and we have, uh, there's a list of hardware that we have validated that we say we, we have run like thousands of tests on, on this, this and this models. Uh, you're welcome to use others. We will we will still support you but like this is the hardware that went through test testing and <clears throat> over time we will keep adding more uh, and more hardware and uh, the the part that runs on the hardware will will go open source eventually and uh, hardware vendors will be able to um, ad- adapt to new models that they have and so the the goal is to support more hardware eventually, but today the the goal is support to sufficient amount of hardware that our users will be able to to put together clusters that are stable, super stable. Stability is critically important. So that's on on the switching side, layer two, layer three switching. Uh, on on higher la- uh, layers. For, for routing, for, for border routing, for load balancing, for network address translation, for your VPN, those are functions that you still need in your private cloud, but your switches cannot cannot do this, right? Uh, so w- w- what we have, we have uh, we have developed a data plane uh, for Linux that is uh, using DPDK acceleration and SmartNIC capabilities. So basically, our users they they take a Linux machine uh, with a couple of CPUs, with a load of RAM. Uh, they install a SmartNIC card on that, a hundred gig SmartNIC card. Uh, they load Netris and just just regular Linux, and that machine just just using you know open source standard tools uh, runs the border routing functionality with a. It it can handle full routing table a ton, and forward packets at hundred gigs per second. It does your network address translation, source nat, destination NUT. Um, it learns sessions when it makes sense. It doesn't learn sessions when it doesn't make sense. It has that, that kind of understanding and all that, that adds layer of you know optimization. Uh, it does your layer four load balancing. Uh, and and side-to-side VPN. All is based on standard open source tools and everything is configured by by Netris automatically. So switches together with that uh, Linux machine, which we call SoftGate, like a software gateway, uh, switches together with SoftGate uh, and controlled by Netris all together provide that VPC type cloud like uh, you know, functionality.
0: So let me ask this. Um, currently, when you go with, vent, you know, like Cisco or Juniper or any of those kind of vendors, right? Um, you you buy the hardware and obviously it comes with their software on it, right? And, and And so I think one thing that I have to think about differently is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but with your product, I would have to go out and get whichever switch that I need. And I have now a service w- or a service agreement with which X vendor that I got that, that switch from. But if I have issues with the hardware, I'm not calling Netrice, right? I'm calling whatever that vendor is. And then Netrice is more of the software that I'm putting on top of those, those, uh, switches, right? Um, Net,
2: n- Net, Netrice is, uh, Software that you put on top of the switches. There's switch. There's the operating system of the switch, and on top of operating system is Netris. Uh, Netris configures the operating system. Uh, in terms of support and troubleshooting, if if something goes wrong, sometimes it's it's hard to tell immediately where where the where the problem problem is. So when whenever you Whenever you bootstrap your network with Netris, uh, yeah. we we push our agent. We we do the, the the minimal configuration, so we start showing you the heartbeat from every network device, and we automatically uh, start monitoring the device for for like standard th- things like like your power supplies, your fans, your temperature sensors, your like. CPU, load, load on your ports, uh, laser signals. We try to pull out all the necessary information for monitoring, all the information that every network engineer would normally like to pull out. But we do this automatically, so you don't need to kind of worry about how, how, how do I pull that information. We just pull that information and show you on the dashboard. And if you have a hardware issue, oftentimes that information on our dashboard helps you. Like we may say, hey, there's a temperature issue and the fan is, is not spinning. Like that's, that's a signal for you that, that you need to replace your fan. That's, that's easier, that's, that's the easy case, right? When, when we can show a hardware issue uh, through our monitoring. Sometimes there is a problem where, like, hard to tell. Like, you don't know if it's a it's a Netris bug, it's an operating system bug, it's a routing bug, or it's a hardware failure. Hard to tell. So we we kind of uh, feel responsible for uh, for the whole operation. And the way we approach to this is this: if you have any issue, you first reach out to Netris. Because our algorithm has configured your network, we we are kind of the the best help to to help to troubleshoot this down. And and when you collect uh, Net Netris tech info from your network, that collects not only Netris data but also data about your operating system, about your hardware, and based on analysis of this data, we can tell like, hey, for example. There's a hardware issue. You you may want to replace your hardware, and oftentimes your your hardware is just is from one of our partners. And telling partner that these guys from Netris are saying it's because of hardware. They have already validated. That's that's even sometimes even kind of helpful. Or if it's an operating system issue, we can we can we may tell you like, hey, there's a problem with the Open source component that is part of your whole system. Here's a workaround. Take this workaround so your your business do, doesn't suffer. But we're gonna go back and we're gonna work with the you know with fixing that problem. We may we may uh, we may end up working uh, with engineers of partner or if it's an open source thing we may fix that and contribute back to upstream to, to the community of open source.
0: So, so basically, um, it's not going to be a bunch of finger-pointing, right? <laughs> we we, we want to be
2: friends of network engineers. No, we, we're here to... Uh, th- this is created by network engineers. We, we want to help network engineers keep staying insanely
1: great. Keeping up with the progress of the world. Keeping insanely great. I like that. I Dan, I've been calling Dan that for, for a long time now. <laughs> so, yeah. Alex, we, we are getting towards the end of our time here. Is there anything more that you want to delve into that, that we haven't touched on yet? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Take your time. thinking. Uh,
2: uh, well, Uh. uh I, I, I think you've uh, I, I, I think you you, 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 you did amazing uh, job uh, and uh, I, know, I, I, I just enjoyed uh, this this whole conversation it just just came like like a casual conversation like at some point I, I even felt like we're sitting in a bar, just three you know net, network engineering dudes
0: that that is excellent to hear because that is dan's
1: vision of this show Uh, in a nutshell so (laughs) exactly to a (laughs) t so we we really appreciate this time alex um where can we point uh people that want to learn more about netris
2: our website netris.ai our documentation is published there uh it's open uh for everyone there's uh, video demos that, that people can watch. Uh, we have uh, this Slack uh, community, Slack like, channel. Everyone are, are welcome to join our Slack. Not just users, but like it's a place where, where we speak about infrastructure. Like, people, are, people are welcome to, uh, to join. Uh, Twitter uh, is, is a place where, where we share updates. Uh, Twitter and LinkedIn.
0: But more Actually, yeah, we can definitely put those in the
1: show notes. Well, thank you very much, Alex, for your time on this episode of The Art of Network Engineering. If you want to learn more about NetTrees, check out Nettrees AI. Sorry, NetTrees.ai. And we will see you next time on The Art of Network Engineering. Take care now.
0: Hey, everyone, this is AJ. If you like what you heard today, then make sure you subscribe to our podcast and your
1: favorite podcatcher. Smash that bell icon to get notified of all of our future episodes. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Art of Net Eng. That's Art of N-E-T-E-N-G. You can also find us on the web at artofnetworkengineering.com, where we post all of our show notes. You can read blog articles from the co-hosts and guests and also a lot more news and info from the networking world. Thanks for listening.